Hello and welcome back to the Slightly Beast podcast. And today we will be talking about all the health issues and challenges in life and as well with anxiety. Hello, my name is Allison and I hope you like this podcast. Thank you, Allison. That was so cute. That's my daughter. She's been working on copying my intro to the show. And so I thought it would be really fun to have her on this episode. So welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, obesity, and health and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. So part of the reason I thought it would be fun to have Allison on the show today is that basically this show is about kids. It's about advocating for kids, whether it be in the school system, in the health system. I wanted to share some of my experiences in advocating for my children, and hopefully that will give you either you know, um, a bit of a real life example of what this can look like, um, or also maybe some ideas of things that you have or haven't tried. So uh, let's get into it. So I would never have considered myself an advocate. And and recently, I've even looked into courses on advocacy um, from kind of an environmental standpoint or also for children. Um, And I can totally see that there is a skill set there, but it's not something that I was ever trained in. So my approach to my work in environmental policy, I've always been an expert. I'm a public policy expert. I provide options and a lot of my thinking is not really emotionally invested in the issues that I'm researching and reporting on and um, providing options. So for me, I've always approached research in sort of that non-emotional way. And then once I had children and my children started to experience health issues, it's almost impossible to approach things to do with your own children in a non-emotional way. So advocacy um, for these children of mine has been something that, of course, you take on with all your heart because it's your role as parent. So initially, my kids were in great health, um, both of them, you know, thriving at a young age, some small issues that we had to deal with, you know, stomach flus, things like that. But then, as I've talked about in my episode on pandas, my son uh, got sick in the fall of 2014 with scarlet fever, and then um, in 2015, a noticeable change happened and that is where we started working towards a pandas diagnosis and then for my daughter it's been a little bit different she has food allergies and so those really came on in the summer of 2015 and so it honestly felt like a perfect storm for me as a parent it kind of felt like my world exploded because in both cases um, I knew something was wrong with each of the kids. They both kind of happened around the same time. And I tried to go the traditional doctor route. You know, you go to your family doctor, you tell them what's wrong. Um, but things just didn't really progress. Um, we didn't really end up with solutions. And uh, I tried from there to start working through the various systems to really get to the bottom of things. So I ended up in this reality where my world really exploded in terms of 
trying to research, uh, going to tons of doctor's appointments, having lots of questions, going to resource groups, dealing with different medications, and then researching those as well to understand health impacts, um, different health options to weigh, and then not always getting traction with certain doctors. And, and that's where the really the advocacy part started to come in is, you know, I had always really looked at, um, you know, somebody's sick, you go to the doctor, you get your answer, you go home. And I started to find out that the system doesn't really work in quite that linear fashion all the time. And so I also started having um, a binder for each child that I was keeping a whole bunch of health records and testing in uh, really old school because I would go to these appointments and the doctors or the specialists that I was seeing had no record of anything else that had happened in the child's life. And so it was always um, quite a learning on the fly situation. So I'll start with pandas. Uh, really, you never feel like you're getting it right with pandas. And I really couldn't get answers when my son first started experiencing issues. We had several misdiagnoses. It started to become very frustrating and it just wasn't getting better. And so where I started to come into the advocacy role really was looking at my skill set. So I knew things weren't getting better. I wasn't getting answers. I was just kind of getting told to go home and wait. And it just seemed to me that that wasn't helping. So I started to think about how would I approach this issue if I was at work? You know, what would I do as a researcher, um, as a professional, and if I was dealing with this issue and I wanted to move it forward? So I started to think about my skills and approach it using those skills. So what did I do? I have talked about I have a master's degree in social science. So I hit the computer, I started to research, I started to look at different things online, different articles, um, various forums where different parents had talked about their experience with certain symptoms and things like that. And then I started to contact people. So I thought, okay, in my job, I would reach out to experts. I would reach out to people that could help, people that know people. So I just started essentially to email any doctor or researcher that I could find that was interested in this topic and that I thought might have some kind of insights because I just found the literature and even the more anecdotal articles were just all over the place. And I couldn't really get traction um, with, with the medical professionals that I was seeing. So I explained the situation to everybody. Like I remember being up at like five o'clock in the morning and sending out emails before uh, even getting ready for work and before my workout and things like that just trying to get a bite. And then when I would get a response, kind of jump in and see what we could find. And so that was really one of the key things was kind of that online research and then reaching out to people as much as possible, knowing that I'm not going to know everything and I'm not going to be able to learn everything researching um, as fast as I need to. Then the next thing I did was thinking about uh, record keeping. And so I thought, okay, I 
Typically in my job, if I was researching options or something, I would start making a chart and jot down what's happened and what do we know and what do we need to know. So I started with my son creating like a history document. And so every time something new, like a symptom would creep up or we had a test or we visited a new doctor, I would just record it in a really simple Word document. But I found that this was very helpful because I could take that document, I could update it after any little thing that happened. And then at every new appointment, I kind of had the basis of what I wanted to tell either the doctor or the health professional, whoever we were seeing. Sometimes it was even explaining it in the school system, what um, the symptoms were and things like that. So I always had this ongoing history and I had so many health professionals say, wow, this is really easy for me to understand kind of where you've been and, and how things have progressed over time. So I found that that was a really, really effective way because when you're advocating for a child, you go into an appointment and you're on. It's basically like almost like a job interview. You've got to put together the story of what's happened. You want to make sure all the details are in there. You want to make sure that you're hitting kind of key points. And so having this health history was really something that helped and it's something that I had to create. I had to create from scratch. Also, um, I started to look for plain language information online, things that are in like communication materials. And more recently, PANS and PANDAS, there are more um, organizations that are putting out communication materials that weren't always there in the initial phases for us, but it's definitely getting a lot better. And some of those communication materials like how to explain pandas to teachers or how to explain it in different situations, even to family and stuff like that. Um, one is the Foundation for Children with Neuroimmune Disorders. That one, um, that organization has had a lot come out recently that it's really good. They have like infographics, things like that, that can really help to explain the situation. And I found drawing on those, adding some of that plain language into my story was really helpful. And like I said, not only with different doctors, but different um, teachers, or even in some cases, like a coach or something like that. One of the challenges too with the medical system is doctors don't all have the same information. They don't all have the same background. And so what one doctor might be totally up to speed on, another may not. And so in some cases, it's required that the parent really fill in those gaps and provide information. Um, and, you know, some doctors are more willing to even take information from you than others. But uh, I always felt like at least if I had it ready to go, then it's something that I could offer. And so again, I started creating like an old school paper binder where I would put like different sections, lab work, um, always asking for a copy of lab work. That was another really essential piece because sometimes you go and the doctor says everything was fine. And it's like, you should get a copy of that lab work so that you have a record of what fine was and where things are right now in treatment. So I would also say like it helped to really try to keep on top of things as best I could in terms of new research and things like that. 
Now we haven't explored some areas with pandas just because of cost or location of treatments, but it is something that um, is kind of ongoing for us. So the second example I gave in terms of advocacy is food allergies. So that's been a bit of a different path. Um, I've mentioned this in our food allergy anxiety episode, but I noticed food pickiness in my daughter at a very young age, and I never really understood why she would go for certain things and not others. Other things would be spit out or she would cry. And then eventually we had an episode where she had swollen lips and it was from a food that contained uh, egg whites. And then from there, we went to the doctor and it was really interesting because the doctor didn't believe me. They didn't think that um, it was an allergy, but eventually I had to push and push. And I was referred to a pediatrician who then did some allergy testing and the food allergy was confirmed along with the nut allergy. And then we moved to an allergy specialist. And then from there... um, It's been challenging because we have to then work with the school and try to figure out what the best plan of care is. And it's interesting because when you get an allergy diagnosis, it doesn't really come with that much education. So again, I've relied a lot on parent forums, also um, food allergy networks, Uh, Food Allergy Canada, I believe the one I've been using is called, where they have a lot of information on what does anaphylaxis look like, um, you know, when to use an EpiPen. We were actually never trained on an EpiPen. Initially, when I went to the family doctor, they just gave us a prescription and that was that. So I've had to do a lot of that learning on my own. And then even in the school system, There is a lot of variation. We've been in two different school systems and each of them have treated the allergy quite differently. And from there, it's also even individual, sometimes at the class level in terms of what what it looks like and what's allowed and what's not allowed and the comfort level of everyone. Um, So again, you know, it's something that as a parent, I'm not a food allergy expert, but I've had to try to learn as much as I can because I can't protect my daughter and keep her safe without having this knowledge. You know, the school will ask us really specific questions about what an allergy reaction looks like or, you know, is this protection enough? You know, can an allergen touch her skin? Can um, she smell an allergen? And some of those things, when you just go get a prick test, you don't know. So it's been a lot of really reading up on on things and understanding experiences of different parents, children, um, and even social media can be really interesting. I mean, it can be a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of seeing worst case scenarios at times, but also it can really help um, a lot of allergy parents because you're at least gathering in a community and kind of starting to speak the same language and understanding some risks that you maybe never thought about when you hear something that's happened to somebody else or something that somebody else ran into it just really opens your eyes and I remember getting overwhelmed very quickly with the food allergy world because all of a sudden it seemed very difficult to avoid allergens. It can feel very overwhelming. You know, you're going to go out for dinner and what does that look like? Uh, And, you know, even to go 
just on a family outing. And then once the child is either moving to daycare or the school system or going to a friend's house for a play date or a party, it can be very challenging to make sure that you've thought everything through and you're always prepared for the allergy, especially when the child's small. I think it can be a little different as they get older, but then, you know, you run into more peer pressure and the child maybe not always having the EpiPen with them as they should. So really, it's, it's a challenge as well. And you always have to be there kind of fighting the fight for that child. And again, it's just something that's not in my personality. I'm very introverted. I don't love conflict. And so this advocacy role has definitely been a challenge, but it's something that I've had to take on. So if there's anything that I can offer in terms of my lessons learned, I would say When you are advocating for your child, either in the health or the school system, definitely play on your strengths. So for me, it's research, it's that analytical side, it's my ability to organize files like tests and records and keep that timeline, kind of that due diligence ongoing um, has been very helpful. And then being able to research um, different things that can be solutions as well. And your strengths might be totally different. You know, if you have a strength in relationship building or debating or, you know, drawing on some specific work background, maybe you're an educator, maybe you have different connections to somebody, whatever you have, use it because you want to feel comfortable in how you're approaching it for yourself. You don't want to feel um, like you're out of your element all the time. And so that's where working to your own strengths can be really helpful Um, And especially with the school system, um, you know, if you're working with like special developmental issues or learning issues, you definitely want to try to get your point across and make sure that the educators understand your issues as well. And go with your gut. So on the health side of things, you don't always have to take the first advice you get either from a doctor or a health professional or even an educator as the gospel. Sometimes your gut will know that that was wrong. You know, very early, everyone kept telling me that my son had Tourette syndrome and that he had ADHD. And I just knew that it wasn't that. I just knew that there was something else there that was being missed. And so I just felt that I needed to keep going and keep finding out what was going on. And same with my daughter. I mean, the the family doctor that we went to initially with the food allergy flat out said to me, this is not a food allergy, but fine. If you insist, I will send you on. And that was the same thing that happened with my son's disorder is the only reason they ever even tested his antibodies in his blood was kind of on a, yeah, fine, we'll do it, um, but I don't really think there's anything here. And sometimes you just have to, you just have to try your best to get, get what you're thinking is going on. And you know what, if you're wrong, you're better to be wrong than not have tried, is kind of how I look at it. One other thing I would caution about is certainly burnout. So I know I've talked a lot about um, anxiety and things like that, but 
I have went through periods, especially with my son's disorder, of very low energy, I would maybe even call it burnout, where I just couldn't, I was working so hard, you know, full-time in a job, and then also almost another full-time to understand what was going on with the disorder, and then, you know, with anybody who's doing any number of medical appointments with their children it's a lot like you are running all over the place and it can be really challenging so I would say try to protect your peace as best that you can if you need to take a break which I've had to do I've had to just take times where I'm like this has to just be okay for right now we're just gonna kind of tread water I can't push on this right now because I'm low on energy and then come back you know, come back when you can, come back when you've got a lead, come back whenever you're able again, but just be cautious of that burnout. And I hope that you others don't get there, but I know I've experienced it myself where I've kind of just had to take a little mental break and, and say, okay, I just need to get myself grounded again. And then lastly, I would say, don't give up, you know, take the breaks, but always keep trying. I mean, if you know that there's an issue that can be helped, definitely stay the course, look for new methods. I'm always kind of keeping my eye open for new methods to help, especially with pandas. We don't always do it. Same with food allergy. I've seen different um, things that can help in over time or different studies, and I'll keep my eye on it. It doesn't mean that we sign up for everything or necessarily take on every new therapy that we see, but it's just something to keep your eyes open for success stories of others and try to learn from those. You know, you don't have to do it all on your own. You can build on good work that's happening from researchers, from other doctors, from other parents, and really just try to do the best for your children. So that's been my experience with advocacy. Again, it's something that doesn't go at all with my personality, but something that um, is necessary for where we are at health-wise for, for my children. So thanks for listening today. Uh, the episode is sponsored by doTERRA. If you are interested in learning more about doTERRA essential oils, please contact me at realllifeprojectco at gmail.com. There are some great oils available for supporting focus like vetiver, supporting autoimmune issues like frankincense, and also to support you in self-care. There is a great yoga pack that has three oils, Arise, Affirm, and Anchor that can be really there for you when you are taking any time for yourself to meditate, do yoga, and try to come back. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and found it useful. As always, this podcast is based on my experiences and not intended to be medical advice. If you like the podcast, please consider subscribing. Also, my blog, www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com is available, and consider following me on Instagram at Sarah Lady Gluten, S-A-R-A-L-A-D-Y-G-L-U-T-E-N. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.